Hey everyone, welcome. This is Leland Baptist. I feel as though it's important to share uh, this important um, message with you guys because right now, as I'm speaking, the SBA is going to um, forego or defer six months of payments. So if you are someone that's looking to purchase purchase a business to add to your portfolio, um, if you're someone who has an existing business looking to maybe refinance or gain financing through the, through the SBA, um, we have relationships with tons of SBA lenders, and we're going to give you guys a, a inside scoop of, of a conversation that we're having with one of, with one of our uh, prime lenders. And so I think it's important for you guys to understand the importance of it. And once again, if you are needing or looking for SBA financing, now is a great time to take advantage of uh, basically purchasing a business with, with uh, six months of payments free. So listen closely, take notes, and have pen and paper. You're listening to the Commercial Finance Podcast by Lee Chandler, where we discuss industry insights, tips about lending, capital finance, business acquisitions. The worst investment you can have is cash. Real estate acquisitions. Your financial advice depends on who you are. And everything in between. This is the Commercial Finance Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you guys for listening and coming back. Uh, today's episode, we are uh, with Miss Deb Curtis. And Deb is actually a specialist when it comes to SBA lending and a ton of other things. So we're going to discuss uh, the companies she works for, uh, what they do to help small business owners around the United States, um, and a few other things in reference to uh, lending in today's society. So without further ado, Deb, if you want to introduce yourself and all the great things about CapEx. Absolutely. Thank you, Leland. Thank you, Hank, for hosting uh, this podcast. Uh, I'm Deb Curtis, and I am a nationwide SBA direct preferred lender. Um, and I'll explain the difference between a, a direct preferred lender versus just a, a regular SBA lender that has to package things and ship it out. A direct preferred lender is important because we do everything in-house from start to finish. Uh, so when you talk to me initially about your loan, I collect your package and then I uh, ship it internally to an SBA underwriter. And then when your loan is approved, our closing department will work with you in-house. Everything is direct in-house. We have a license by the SBA to process everything. It's called a, a, a delegate authority where they um, trust us based on history that we know what we're doing from start to finish. We fund your loan and we service it for its life. Um, I used to work years ago for other banks that were not direct preferred lenders. And the difference there is that uh, your business banker will talk to you about SBA. They might not be SBA um, uh, experienced because what they do is they package up your file and then they ship it out to a, another office and it takes longer and it's, um, it, it just, it takes a long time and the experience is, is not as great as a preferred lender like Fundex is where I work. Um, so in addition, uh, Fundex Solutions, we are one of 14 non-bank preferred lenders in the country. Uh, so there's 14 of us non-bank that do direct preferred lending in-house. Uh, what's nice about that is we're, we're not a bank, so we have a, um, a bit easier credit guidelines than the traditional banks do. 
and um, less regulation, so to speak. So we're able to move a bit faster for our partners and for our, our small business owners. Um, Fundex Solutions has been around for about three years. We're an affiliate of Bankers Healthcare Group, uh, which is our parent company, and they do conventional working capital loans. They've been around since 2001, and they are 49% owned by Pinnacle Bank, who has been around since 1853. So the moral to my story is we are the affiliate, and we are well-funded and well-backed by Bankers Healthcare Group, owned by Pinnacle Bank. Uh, well capitalized and, and here to support small businesses. Wow, that is awesome! And and you said their, their bank goes back how far? Eighteen eighteen fifty three. That is yeah. amazing. That's a that right. is that's a track record. It is thank you. Uh, and you know our our team is experienced. Uh, even though I should go back, Bankers Healthcare Group, our parent company, they've been around since one and they do conventional um, working capital loans for licensed professionals, whether you're a doctor a vet, a plumber, uh, a carpenter, anybody that has a license, they do working capital loans for conventionally. And they decided after all these years of being successful that they needed to put together an SBA team uh, to support small business owners, licensed professionals nationwide, and welcome Fundex uh, three years ago. Our leadership team is strong. Um, you can visit our website and, and see a preview of our leadership team and the experience that we all bring to the table with SBA. Uh, and it's going great. Awesome. Awesome. So at this point, we'll, we'll go ahead and start um, asking some of the questions. Hank, would you like mm -hmm. to go first? Yes. Um, Deb, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you mentioned small businesses. Is, is there a sweet spot that, that your company prefers to service? Is it an LLC? Is it a sole, sole proprietorship? Is it mm -hmm. a PC? Um, it, or it, it doesn't matter? That's a great question, Hank. And it, it does matter. We, we support small businesses. It can be a sole proprietor. Most common uh, are LLCs and partnerships that I see. We also work with S corporations. Um, as soon as they start going north, you know, 500 employees or more, that's getting too big for the small business administration. We stick with the small business um, uh, small businesses, anywhere from it could be two employees or just one employee, you know, up to 500. Uh, anything north usually is getting into corporate America, and that does not fit the small business arena. Does that mean not for profit entities or all for profit? All for profit. Great question. We do not do any nonprofit financing. You have to be privately held for profit. What's the the average dollar range of a loan that uh, that you have that you have processed? Absolutely, that's a great question. Um, minimum is two hundred and fifty thousand, and SBA will allow us to lend up to five million, and uh, that can mean either one borrower. You know, I have some borrowers that are on on the bigger side of small businesses, and they may have a greater need of two million, three million. I've done business acquisitions close to five million, or it could mean a small business owner that owns a business today and may have a SBA loan for five hundred thousand, and now he or she wants to buy another business. Uh, I've had some borrowers that own um, several businesses, and the total aggregate amount that the SBA will allow uh, per personal guarantor—that would be the business owner—is up to five million. Does that make so sense? 
Yes, it does. So what I'm hearing you say then is if I'm a small business owner and I I was looking for a loan of $150,000, SBA is not the place to come. Well, actually it is. Um, there are what is known, Hank, is uh, SBA express lenders. I'm not one of those. I, I am an SBA 7A lender. And wow. w- what I do in the 7A world is is um, working capital, business acquisitions, debt consolidation, partnership buyouts from 250000 up to $5 million. There are small business express lenders that will do those smaller SBA loans um, generally faster uh, and not as much due diligence, so to speak, because it's a smaller loan. Um, I, I am not one of them. Uh, in addition, there are SBA 504 lenders. That's a, that's a different beast as well. That, that's just owner-occupied commercial real estate, which um, I don't offer the 504 program, just 7A, but we still can do commercial real estate loans in, in the 7A world for owner-occupied businesses. What are the typical reasons why you may reject a request for an SBA 7A loan? Great question. Uh, and I will always uh, interview uh, the borrower up front. Uh, there's, there are some right up front questions that the SBA will ask on the credit application, and I generally will, will um, interview the borrower and ask them out of the gates. Deal stoppers, um, if you're a felon, a criminal, that's not going to pass with the government because the SBA is a government loan. If you've ever had a government-backed loan, and that could be a federal student loan, any other SBA loans, anything that was government-backed, if there was any kind of uh, slow pay or any kind of charge-off, that could be risk for a, a deal stopper with the SBA. Um, we will help borrowers uh, with credit scores um, down to 630, and some borrowers can have bankruptcies as long as they're discharged. We have to understand what the story is. Uh, I have to caution that there are SBA rules, a credit policy, But then there's also the lender has their credit policy rules. So a lot of confusion with, with SBA is folks will, will call bank to bank or lender to lender and be told different stories. And that is because the lenders have their credit box that they want their borrowers to fit in. So SBA has theirs and then the lender has theirs. So there's a little bit of differences between lenders. Say, say, um, Say I fell into the category that I needed a half million. Mm-hmm. Do I have to be rejected by a traditional bank? No. Before nope. I come to you? Oh, no. No, no, no. Uh, you can apply straight up for SBA without going to a traditional bank. Okay. Yeah. What's the well, typical time frame from, from the time I submit a request for for uh, an SBA loan, mm-hmm. typically, until, um, you know, I've met all the bells and whistles until the loan is approved. Yes, and that will depend, Hank, on the lender that you're working with. Um, it, it can range. Yeah, I can tell you what our time frame is, but I it mean, is... Yeah, we, yeah. I'm just talking about yeah. so yeah. our time frame is uh, when I initially speak with the borrower and I interview them, and then they agree to move forward. I have a pretty good feeling that they'll qualify for SBA. 
I'll send them an email list of what I need to collect as far as their financials and, and, and personal statements and such. Once that is in, I will provide to them a loan pre-qualification letter if they truly qualify. And after receiving their information that I requested, the turn time for that loan pre-qual is usually about three business days, pretty quick. Wow. I give you a Yep, I'll give you a term sheet that, that you are pre-qualified for an SBA 7A loan. If you agree to the terms of our pre-qualification, uh, then we move forward to full SBA credit application where, where it's all signed. Mm-hmm. Um, a good faith deposit is provided to, to Fundex, which is refundable. If for some reason our credit team found something that we must have missed talking about, maybe somebody had a criminal record last year and they just forgot to tell me about it. Well, that's going to be a deal last, stopper. Last year? <laughs> that's right. Then we're going to refund that $2,500 back. But so when I submit it to credit, Hank, after the loan prequal is accepted, it's mm-hmm. about a, about a seven to take seven to 10 day business turn time to full SBA credit approval where I'll deliver you a commitment letter. And that commitment letter tells you more details about the loan and what we need to do to clear conditions to get ready to close. So loan prequal, mm-hmm. about about three business days, submit to my internal credit team, a full credit package. That's about seven to 10 business days until full credit decision with the hope that it's a credit, a credit approval, commitment letter delivery. Then at that point, it should be about 30 days to closing. So all in, if I have a motivated borrower and they're doing a good job and getting me everything that I need, we can truly get these deals done within 45 days. What um, What's the typical interest rate for an SBA loan? Right. And an SBA, mm-hmm. you could, SBA 7A, because that's the world I'm in, yes, 7A is, is the, the product that can do the most. 504 is more specific. SBA Express loans are the small little loans. 7A is is Big is up. a bigger box for us to play in, so to speak. So okay. in, interest rate with Fundex on an SBA 7A is prime. It's tied to Wall Street Journal Prime plus a spread of 2.75%. So if a loan would fund today based on prime and the spread, the, the rate would be 6%. Now, it is floating. It's tied to Wall Street Journal Prime. And if and when Wall Street Journal Prime adjusts up or down, um, the interest rate on the borrower's loan would adjust the following quarter on the first. If there is no real estate involved in this loan, there is no prepayment penalty. And um, I always educate my borrowers that the SBA truly is is an opportunity for you to get the loan because there's the SBA guarantee. Um, it's a, it, it's um, going to give you a longer amortization. 10 years will, will be that loan payment without commercial real estate. And there's no prepayment penalty. So the goal is to graduate out of SBA and maybe within two years or so, take the balance and refinance it at the local community bank into a fixed conventional loan. If I were coming at you for five hundred thousand, or say two hundred fifty thousand, I'm going to go m- yeah. minimum for two hundred fifty thousand loan. How much 
skin in the game must I have to bring that application to the table? Yes. Um, and again, this is lender specific because there's that SBA credit SBA. policy. Okay. Yep. And then there's the lenders. So with Fundex, any loan from 250000 up to a million, we are asking the personal guarantor, which is the business owner, to mm-hmm. inject, otherwise known as provide down payment of 10% toward the project. So, Hank, if you want to buy a business today that's that's selling for 250000 I would share with you that you would need at least 10% down toward that project, $25,000. Um, now we can have another topic one day, but there's, you know, there's, there's, there's the 10% equity injection that we want you to come up with. However, we can work some, some things out. If the seller is willing to uh, do a seller note for 5%, then you only need 5% down and the seller comes up with the other 5% on a standby note. I don't want to get into too many details because of, because of time, but there are options that I'll educate uh, the, borrower on how we can help them um, so we're not liquidating all their cash reserves that are on their personal uh, statement. If you were sitting where I am, Deb, would you apply for an SBA loan? Why or why not? I like that question. Uh, in today's times, I we are busy, which tells me SBA is where it's at right now because of longer amortizations, less, uh, how to explain it, traditional business loans that are financed at the local bank. They're great during, you know, solid times, but they're also going to track the business to make sure they're meeting certain financial covenants and such. Uh, with an SBA loan, we, we, we don't do that after the loan funds. There's no monthly or quarterly checks like the banks have. Banks that do uh, traditional conventional business loans, they're always sniffing the business owner's financials, so to speak. And if they don't meet a certain threshold that the bank requires after the loan funds, I they may say, Hank, we want you to leave the bank and go find a different lender. And uh, that's just that can really be a disruption to operations and stress and such where the SBA um, is, is easier um, to manage. That's what I hear from business owners anyways. They love SBA because it's not as detailed to provide to the bank what's going on. Cause let's face it, some businesses can be seasonal and, and, you know, if you collect, if you're handing in financials to your banker during a seasonal time where revenues are kind of down, it's not not a good feeling, but so did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yes, and I was just looking at it as from a business owner perspective. If I got the if I got the loan and I can meet the debt service on a monthly basis, there shouldn't there shouldn't be an issue. Correct. As you say, for for the banks, if they if your financials don't look just pristine, mm-hmm. they'll put undue pressure on you. Correct. Okay. All right. You have been tremendous in, in your in your response to my questions, Deb. Thank you. That's all I have, Leland. <laughs> okay, no problem. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to let uh, the listeners know: uh, Wall Street Journal Prime. That is a base rate that uh, twenty or twenty or thirty banks come together and they choose a rate. Okay, so you can actually look that up. You can Google it. Type in WSG WSJ, excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. Prime rate to uh, to un- understand that or learn, learn that, um, Deb. 
for someone who's looking to do an acquisition, uh, what financials or what documents would you need from them as the purchaser and also mm -hmm. from the prospective business that they're looking to, to buy? Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I, I always share with my clients that the business that they want to purchase is key for me to review first and for, for them to review. It's called due diligence, their financials to make sure the business is sound and cash flowing sufficiently to afford whatever price the business is selling for. Um, so I will uh, recommend to collect from the seller the last three years IRS filed business tax returns of the operating company and the um, most recent year to date 2020 um, company prepared interim financials, which is a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet. That's so important first and foremost, because if the business cannot support enough cash flow to pay the uh, SBA loan payment, it's it's not worth it. it. We won't approve it and, and we would not put a, our borrower in a bad situation like that. But if it does, then we move to the buyer, the, the personal guarantor, because um, the, the new business owner is also going to personally guarantee this SBA loan. We'll collect their last three-year IRS filed personal tax returns a personal financial statement. Um, if they own another business, we have to collect those tax returns, those interim statements, and we look at a global picture. Um, we look at the, the, the business that's selling. What, does that have enough cash flow to support the payment? And then we look at the, the guarantors, the business owners, and if they own any other companies, and we globally cash flow. You can have a business that's cash flowing that they want to buy, but if the guarantor, the, the, the person buying the business has a ton of personal debt and not enough household income, globally, it's not going to work. So I hope that makes sense. We kind of. Yeah, well, it, makes, the, yeah. it makes perfect sense. And then for anyone who, who's listening, they're like, what? What does that mean? Um, my interpretation of that is if you're going to buy, buy the business, because I've done that before where you buy the business, they want to make sure that your household has enough sufficient income. That in the event that the business does not perform well, let's say in quarter three, that you as the business owner are not having to rob Peter to pay Paul. But if mm -hmm. you, let's say maybe you're married, have a two income household, if your spouse works as well and they are, they're able to have income, then it, it will, and your debt is low and all, all those things, then it makes it easier because if you do have a rough patch or a rough quarter, you can still be sustainable for that business. That's right. I like that, Leland. Yep. Yeah, How does the credit score play into that? Say that again, Hank? How does the credit score play into that scenario? Credit credit score minimums per our, our credit policy is 630. It's crazy okay. because scores can just, scores sometimes don't always tell the whole story. It's just crazy. Right. Um, they flip overnight. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what, one thing that I know underwriters will look at is if there's a ton of unsecured debt and the balances are, are high and they're not paying down the debt. You know, unsecured debt, maxing out credit cards, probably not going to be a good position to buy a business. Like Leland said, what do you have to fall back on? Um, Post-closing liquidity is key. So, um, and, and that's on your personal financial statement. Do you have cash reserves? Do you have equity in your home? You know, like Leland said, we want to make sure if something tightens up with the business, what do they have to fall back on personally? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and Dev, I'm not sure if you guys do this or not. I know for one deal I was working, uh, we were trying to figure out if if we acquired the business using an SBA, mm-hmm. if we'll be able to also uh, attach a smaller working capital loan. Is that something that you guys would do in the acquisition process? I'm glad you brought that up. And and yes, we do. That And that's important, Leland, as you know, um, working capital when you buy a business, you have to have cash to take care of the short-term operating expenses. So part of our process as we uh, move forward to application is to have the buyer prepare a working capital worksheet. You know, what are the expenses during the process of buying the business because they'll have to, you know, create an entity, hire perhaps an attorney to represent them for the acquisition. There are expenses and those expenses can be used toward that 10% equity injection that we were talking with Hank earlier. Um, But then the spreadsheet will also list what are your initial three months, six months expenses, you know, rent, marketing, and paying the employees. There's line by line. We as a lender, we want to make sure that we are providing enough working capital to sustain the change of ownership for the new borrower to make sure that they have sufficient working capital during those first three to six months. And in some cases, too, we can offer interest-only payments for the first three to six months, depending upon the industry, to kind of ease the change of ownership as well uh, and, and get them out of the gate strong. Awesome. One last, uh, well, one one more question before we run out of time. Um, I know in some deals they require uh, more business experience in that particular industry. Mm-hmm. And with that being the case, do you, in the underwriting process, would you need the the purchaser to have the most experience, or are, or are they able to have the seller, the former owner, stay on for management for maybe six months as an exit? Okay. Um, so. SBA prefers the buyer to have some industry experience. Um, at times, there might not be enough of that industry experience. Like, for instance, I'm working on an auto repair uh, business acquisition right now, and the fellow that's buying the business, he has a lot of business financial background. He owned a business prior, but it was an auto auto repair specific. Uh, underwriting did not like the fact that he did not bring all of that auto repair, under the hood, change the oil kind of experience. So what we did, we liked the buyer because he was he, he knew how to read company financials. He knew how to manage employees. He knew how to run a business, just not, not the grease part of it, so to speak. So the GM of the auto repair shop, she's been there for a long time. Uh, we will make her what is called in, in the SBA world a key employee. And um, she is going to be considered a key employee into the business plan. In this particular situation, he's offering her a little smidgen 3% part ownership with the business acquisition because obviously he wants to keep her on because she's the strength of the business. So that helped get that deal done. And to follow up with your second scenario, the owner staying on, her SBA rules after the SBA business acquisition loan funds the owner can stay on to help ease the transition of change of ownership to the new owner up to 12 months as a consultant as needed. He can't be a W-2 employee. Um, he has to be a consultant on an as-needed basis only 12 months after the loan funds. After after 12 months, he's got to get out of there per the SBA. 
but we like that and that can be part of the uh, purchase agreement that the seller will stay on to help ease the new owner, train them, introduce them to key, you know, clients and such just as a consultant. Um, and underwriting likes to see that because a, a cl- clear breakaway sometimes is not the best thing because you want to, you want to learn from your mentor, from, from the fellow or the, or the gal that built the legacy of this business. Hopefully all the good things, right? You got it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Ooh, wow. That was a lot. Um, I, ta- I might have drank too, I drank too much coffee. I think. <laughs> no, no, no. My, my, mind, my mind is racing because there are certain idiosyncrasies of the processing and or a lot of misconceptions about, about SBA and, and things of that sort. And this has been, this has been clarifying and cleansing. Thank you, Hank. I'm here to tell you, I, I was on a Zoom call yesterday. SBA has this ugly reputation that, oh, it's so much work. And, and you know, it is if it's not a preferred lender, a direct preferred lender. That's key. And then, it, yeah, and then it is who you're working with is, is key as well. I mean, the experience goes a long way. Uh, when the experience is there in the SBA world and you're working with someone that's got that experience, it's a breeze. You can get deals done quickly. That's the difference. We you know, that you'll be hearing from us again. You know, and you know what you're looking for, which is great. Um, <laughs> Deb, real quick, last question because we have, we have tons. Are, are there any industry restrictions? I know in the past there have been industry restrictions. Yeah. And, and industry restrictions, Leland, will always revolve depending upon what's going on in our market. All right. We, it was we, an we office. Know, yeah, there you go. So we know what's going on in our market right now. Obviously, we have a pandemic. So the industries that are hurting right now are, are hotels and restaurants. They're struggling. Um, so those are looked at with extreme caution and very difficult to get done. Because again, we go back to the earlier conversation. If it's not cash flowing, we're going to look at those financials of the business. And if it's not happening today, we're not doing a loan. Uh, but there are some that are doing well. I, I, you know, we were talking earlier, you know, there are some restaurants that adapted quickly, you know, curbside pickup. And uh, I think at Jimmy John's that, you know, throw the sub out the door, you go, you don't have to worry about anything. You know, there are some that do well out there. So great question, Hank. Uh, industry. Always check with the lender that you're working with um, and, and inquire, you know, what is what is not desired today. That'll change. That will change in time. Deb, can you tell everyone where they can find you as far as submitting their deals, their scenarios and all that good stuff? Sure. Um, my email address, it's uh, D as in Deb and Curtis, my last name, C-U-R-T-I-S at Fundex. F-U-N-D-E-X solutions.com. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I have uh, my Calendly, Calendly calendar there, which I think is really cool. You can just book a call with me right away and uh, we'll talk. Or you can just call my cell, 414-254-2869. Absolutely. And we'll put all those things in the show notes as well as your calendar link um, for, for they can schedule time with you and go over different scenarios. Great. Awesome. <laughs> it's been uh, a great morning. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Deb. We appreciate uh, it. Yeah, for, the, for, your, for your education and, and your time. And uh, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. 
Hey, Leland Baptist here. And if you're looking to add investments to your portfolio, maybe something outside of the stock market, something you can put your hands on, that could be an established business. It can also be uh, investment real estate, okay? But you're having trouble because maybe you need a team. You're realizing that you can't do it all on your own. You need people to help you with the analysis, the acquisition, the strategies, the capital raising. Heck, you just need help, right? Well, if that's the case, you're in luck. We have a program in a group called Asset Builders Club. Asset Builders Club or ABC. And if this sounds like something that has great interest for you, then all you have to do is this. Go to assets2freedom.com. That is assets2freedom.com. A-S-S-E-T-S, the number two, freedom.com. And we'll see you on the inside.